Rifle, you ready, my friend? Come on up. Buddy, we're getting, we're getting up here at 20 after. Can you believe it? Morning, everyone. Morning. While they're passing those bags around, I was in churches before where they would hide the previous week's tithes if it was that much. Because people would think if they received so much last month, let's not give now. Let's keep the money because they got enough. <laughs> Praise God. We can be honest and say the Lord is blessing us. This is what God is doing. This is just being open and honest. So praise the Lord for that. Um, before I start, I just want to have another one of our men introduce, Mr. Tompkins. Thank you, brother. Could you come up here, please? I met Wesley the first time in a faith-based program that I, that I teach, and he has come out, and he's been coming to our church for the last couple of weeks. He's been coming to the healing rooms the last couple of weeks. He's been coming to everything the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so... I said to Wesley, I'll give you two minutes. After two minutes, I grab the mic. You've got to go sit down. So two minutes starting now. <laughs> How y'all doing? God bless all y'all, and I'm glad all y'all allowed me to come here today. And God bless you, Rifleman. Um, like I said, I just came home November 10th. I did four years. Um, God got me in an awesome place right now, and I give God the glory for that. Um, I never lived this life like I'm living now, a sober life. Like I said, um, Satan had a vision in my life. You know, when I was small, me and my brother, we got adopted. You know what I mean? My, my, my parents wasn't feeding us. We used, to, we used to eat paint off the wall. You know what I mean? We almost died. We had lead poison in our body. You know, my, my brother shot me in my back when I was three years old. He thought, it was, he thought it was a little play gun, but it was a real gun. But like I said, that, um, Satan had a plan over my Satan had a vision over my life. But God had a plan for my life. Yeah. All right. Um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11 said that he has a plan for me, a hope in the future, a good night, even give us an expected end. God had a plan for my life, and it came true. And since I was incarcerated, and I met Rifle at the program, and the whole the time that I was incarcerated, I was in a program it's called Faith-Based Reentry Program, and I got to know who God really was in my life. And it started when I opened up the Bible, and I got to, and I read the words, and I read the words because the, the Bible, the words said it. The words in the Bible are powerful, it's alive. When you read the words, the words are like seeds. They come into your life, they manifest inside of you. And God get the glory. Of people see your life shine. <laughs> I gotta say, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And um, like I said, if I stand right here, I will talk to y'all till tomorrow. And I know I gotta, I gotta stay with the time. So I mean, like I said, God bless all of y'all. May God keep y'all, man. And my, my, my favorite Bible verse in, this, in the whole Bible is Psalms 4 to 16. Be still and know that I'm God, man. We got to be still, man. God bless y'all. Man. You can't give these guys the mic, I'm telling you. You've got to. Man, they'll preach. They'll preach. They're amazing. God has sent us some amazing men. Praise the Lord. Okay, today, carrying on with the series, Who Do You Say That I Am? 
So I was very excited when Pastor Doug phoned a couple of weeks ago and said that he won't be able to finish his service in one Sunday, so he needs to take two, and we'll just bump mine up, and then I can do two as well. So I'll be doing this week and next week. So this week is basically just an introduction, but it's really, really good. Because the Lord has been waking me up, literally, I'm really excited to to share this, because God has been waking me up 3.30 or 4.30 in the mornings. How many books are out there that talks about us needing eight hours sleep per night? And God hasn't read one of those. Does he not understand that people with doctor's degrees wrote those books and he's just not getting it? So between my wife who snores, she doesn't snore like a lot, but when she snores, man, she goes for it. She snores. So when she does, I have to wake up because you cannot sleep through it. So I lay next to her and I try and bump her gently to wake her up, but she doesn't. She just sleeps through that. So I've got it down to a perfect art now. Put my hand like that over her face. And then she she gasps for breath. And when she looks up, I I say, honey, what, 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 what? And then I put my head down again. But now I'm awake, so I've got to sit and just pray in tongues. So God, God uses the most amazing things to get to us, to get the word through to us. So for new people in the church, I love my wife. She said I can share the story. Don't go out and say, that pastor doesn't respect you. So in any case, so the new covenant that God has brought us into, that is what I want to talk about today, the New Testament. There's a great difference between the old and the new, and I, I myself, and I know that many people do not fully understand what Jesus went through to get us into this amazing covenant, a covenant of grace, a gift of righteousness that is not earned by our good works. It's grace because of everything he did for us, and that's what we're going to look in today. Um, I bet Jesus was, we dedicated a very, very cute baby today. I'm I'm just thinking, I bet Jesus was a cute baby. You know, some people say all babies are cute. (laughs) No. No, maybe to the parents, but no, not all babies are cute. But I bet Jesus was a cute baby. I mean, why would he make himself not being a cute baby? So him laying in the manger there with with the shepherds and and the wise men, I'm sure they must have played with his cheeks and, oh, look at a baby. But he grew up. He didn't stay a baby. He grew up and he grew in the Father to the point where demons came and begged him for mercy. He didn't stay that little baby. He didn't stay that cute little child. He grew up to where the Bible says a man with legions of demons in him. In Mark 4, when Jesus went over the water, that man with those legions of demons came and bowed down at his feet. Chains could not hold him down. He was living in caves and in, in, in the cemetery. But he came and bowed at the feet of Jesus. Jesus grew up into who he was and what he was called to do. And so do we. We need to grow up to that point. So when we come into this new thing called reborn or born of the Spirit of God, we also need to grow up. When we come into this new covenant, what it means for us, we also need to grow to a point where demons should shudder 
when they come around our presence. Sickness and disease should flee when we come and lay our hands on someone. And that's going to happen when we understand this covenant that we are in, who we are in Christ, and what we were called to do. So we're going to look at that today. Now the word testament means a will that someone makes saying what should be done with their their money, their property, their assets after they die. It is a piece, it's proof or evidence that something exists or is true. Or a testament is a covenant between God and man. The problem today is not too many people read the testament that was left to them by the one who died. And if you don't read the testament, how are you going to know what was left before you? The other problem is you need a very, very good lawyer to explain what is in the testament to you. Our lawyer is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when the Spirit has come, he will lead and guide you into all truth. So he will take this testament, this new testament that we are born into, and the Holy Spirit will explain it. And he will take you, when you start reading the testament, he will say, that's yours, that's yours, you can do this, you can do that. It's not just for Jesus. He made it available for you. And the only place I've seen it where people read a testimony and say, ha, that person never loved me that much, that can't be true, is in the movies. I've never seen in real life someone receive a testament what was given down to them, and they say, that person didn't love me that much. That can't be true. I don't believe it. It's, it's too much. But so many people do that. When they read this new covenant, the New Testament that we are in, and the Holy Spirit says, that's yours. You can do that. Nah, it can't be me. I, because, but. And the Holy Spirit says, no, no buts, no, and that's you. That's been made available to you. And when we get in this new covenant, we start seeing what the Holy Spirit The perfect lawyer tells us what Jesus has made available to us. We will start walking in that. Can we please put up John 1, verse 17 and 18 up there, guys? Thank you. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father... He has declared him. When Jesus came, grace and truth came through him. No one has seen the Father. No one has seen the Father. But when Jesus came, he has declared the Father. And there's so many people, there's so many opinions, there's so many books, there's so many messages out there about why God doesn't do this anymore, why that didn't happen, why we can't be, why this is not taking place. And Jesus didn't say one of those things. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is the perfect will of God. So if you see the life of Jesus, and Jesus did not have a book in his back pocket that said 20 reasons why God does not heal today. We should not have that book. But there are books out there. I I don't know what the number is now, but it's growing all the time. So many reasons why God doesn't heal today. That wasn't Jesus. So those people who declare that about the Father, they haven't seen him. They don't know him. But Jesus said, me and the Father are one. And every person that came to him was healed. So we need to throw that book away as well. 
because there's so many reasons out there why people can't get healed, why people can't get delivered, why this is not happening, why. And Jesus didn't have one of those excuses. He had one excuse. He looked at men and he said, it's because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. So you and I have to grow out of unbelief into faith. We have to let go of why it's not happening, all these reasons into why it should be happening, who we are, what has been made available to us. Do we meditate enough on what Jesus actually went through to get us out from under the law, out of the old covenant and into this new covenant of grace? Ephesians 3 talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ that is now available to us Gentiles. Unsearchable, which does not mean it's too deep, don't even go there. It means when you go there and you see something, it's going to become bigger and bigger and bigger. So go there and look for it because it's unsearchable. It just gets greater and greater. Not the first. And so many people say, you see, unsearchable, we can't, no, that's not what he's saying. We have the perfect lawyer, the Holy Spirit, that once we get into this testament, he will take us deeper and deeper and deeper and show us things that we are not even aware of. Do we really know what Jesus went through to get this new covenant and this new testament to us? Are we aware of everything that took place behind the scenes for us to grow up in this covenant, for us to walk in this new testament that we are in today? Bible talks in Ephesians 3 as well. It says that the manifold wisdom of God was being made known through the church unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places. That's a, a sobering thought because today many angels are confused because of what the church is teaching them. The manifold wisdom that the angels get, they get from the church. But some churches say God doesn't heal. Some churches say we don't believe in that. Some churches say if you don't look like this, if you don't act this way, then God won't. So the angels are thinking now he sent his word and he healed them, yet they're saying God doesn't heal today. So they don't understand that because they hearken to the voice of his word. So no matter who you are, Psalms 103, when you speak the word, the angels move. But when you go against the word, the angels can't understand that because they know the word is true. It can't return void. It will do whatever God sent it to do. And you speak against that. They can't go against the word. So they're standing with their hands folded thinking, Hebrews 1.14, Here I am, a servant to minister unto the heirs of salvation. And they keep on saying they can't be healed, they can't be blessed, they can't prosper. That's confusion. Because God sent his word, and when we speak the word, the angels hearken to the voice of his word. So when we speak the word, the angels move on our behalf. And Jesus did all of that. Jesus came to earth, lived the life he did, so that we today can speak the manifold wisdom to the angels and say, man, it doesn't matter what that person did. He's under grace, under this covenant. It doesn't matter what his parents did and what they did. If he comes and he's a new creature in Christ, he can be healed. Jesus paid for that. And when we start moving in that and speaking that, we will see more of the miracles that Jesus did while he was on earth. Can you imagine the angels, what happened when Jesus left heaven? Can you imagine for 33 and a half years, Jesus fasted heaven? 
Can you imagine what heaven was like? Have you ever thought about that? That song, Darling Zek, they, they sing the darling of heaven crucified. Can you imagine a throne room without Jesus? Can you imagine the Father without his Son? Holy Spirit there, but Jesus is not there. All the angels. Why is he doing this? He doesn't have to go. He's God. What is he doing? Why? Why would he? Because you see, this is a mystery that was set out for us, you and I, before the foundation of the earth. They didn't have all the wisdom. They didn't know everything. But Jesus, for 33 and a half years, not in heaven, not with his Father. And if you're a parent and you have been through a certain stage or a time where you just wished your kids would just go away for a weekend, and then when they're gone the first night, you say, you know, I want them back. (laughs) Jesus wasn't even that kind of child that the Father would say, I wish you would just go away for a weekend. (laughs) He just wanted to be with Jesus all the time. Who doesn't want to be with Jesus all the time? Yet he left that environment for 33 and a half years and died the death he did so that you and I can live under grace today in the new covenant. Can you imagine what the angels were thinking when Jesus was in the desert and the tempter came to him? They probably don't know what hunger is, but they saw that Jesus was hungry after 40 days. They're thinking to themselves, he's the creator of all things. Why would he be doing this? And Michael, the, the archangel, ready to go down and take care of this situation, just wanting to go and help Jesus, but he had one command from the Father. He has to do this by himself as a man. You don't go and help him. He's got to do this. Michael not understanding and thinking to himself, why? We've got all these guys under us. We can, that devil was kicked out long ago from here. He doesn't have the power. We can take care of this. Let us go. And the father's like, stand down. It's not your time. Michael thinking about the last thing Gabriel did was when, when he went to speak to Zechariah and said, John, which means in Hebrew, Jehovah has been merciful. And he's remembering the last account or the last mission that Gabriel went on. And he must be thinking, what is this Jehovah has been merciful? This boy, John and Jesus, they're so close together. John flipped in his mother's womb when Jesus came. There's got to be something, but what is it? It's just there was no church. There was no wisdom. They didn't understand and they want to go help. But the father said, leave him. What was heaven like? What were they thinking? What was going on there? What was the language? What was the thoughts and impressions on the, the minds and the attitudes of people in heaven seeing Jesus go through all of that, knowing that that's God? Didn't have to do that. Do we realize what really, really happened for us to walk in this covenant every single day? Then when Jesus stands and they say, okay, listen, we can let one of, these goes, one of these guys go. We have Barabbas. We have Jesus. Let's let Jesus guys say, no, 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 no. You hang that guy. You crucify him. You put him on a cross. He's blaspheming. He needs to die. The angel's thinking, man, he did nothing wrong. This is God. What is happening? There goes Barabbas. You see, but Jesus knew because before the foundation of the earth, he'd already been there. And he knew he had to go through that in the natural. 
So he stands there, and now Jesus knows that the Father has to treat him like Barabbas so that the Father can treat Barabbas like Jesus. Jesus knows that Father God has to treat Jesus, the innocent one, like the guilty Barabbas so that the Father can treat the guilty Barabbas like the innocent Jesus. You and I are Barabbas. We the guilty ones who went free because the innocent one bore our price. And the angels don't get that, but Jesus did. He said, it's okay, I'll do it. It's worth all of this for my children, my brothers and my sisters to live in a covenant where they never have to feel guilty or ashamed again. I will do it. I will take every sin that they ever have done so that they never have to bear the burden of that or ever feel guilty again because of my blood. Do we realize what happened, what Jesus did for us to live in the covenant that we have today? And now Jesus goes to the cross. And this is just me, but... Let's first go here. First Corinthians two, verse seven to nine, please. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom of God, which was ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known they would have they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. There are still so many things that God has prepared for us that has not even entered our hearts yet. But you see that lawyer, the Holy Spirit, when we get into this testament, he's going to show us something that nobody else has ever heard or seen before, and he's going to say, that's for you. And we can't be a people that say, no, he didn't love me that much. That can't be for me. That's not right. We better be a people that say, praise Jesus. That's for me. Hallelujah. Yes, let's go. Thank you, Jesus. This is the covenant I'm in. This is what Jesus made available for me. Holy Spirit, let's do it. Because what happened now is when, when Jesus goes to the cross and he says, it is finished this is just me. This is not harvest. This is not our doctrine. But I think the devil was confused. He didn't quite understand what Jesus was saying. You know, there's a difference in saying it is finished and he breathes his last breath and he's done. The devil thinking, you better believe it's finished. You're done. Over. Game. Finished. No more. That's not what Jesus was saying. And within the next three days, the devil found that out. But it was just a tad too late. So he's thinking because he sees 2 Corinthians 5 in action. He sees Jesus take your and my sin, becoming sin for us. And there's only one place that sinners go, and that's to his domain. And you see, nobody who has ever entered that domain before has ever escaped. Once you enter that domain, you don't get out. And he was so certain of that. So here comes Jesus. Jesus enters that domain. He can't get out. No human being has ever escaped from here. What's different with this one? It is finished. You're right. Enter eternity without the Father. But man, something began to happen. 
something was happening there that he just didn't understand. Because you see, he's an angel. He didn't have the wisdom. If he did, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. We know that now. It's easy for us to say, but going through that time, can you imagine what was taking place, what Jesus had to go through, what the angels were thinking? Because now what happens is, there's only one place for sinners to go, and that's hell. But there was a sound. And the devil heard that sound, and he's thinking to himself, I heard that before. Approximately about 4,000 years before, I heard that sound. And it sounded different. I know it's the same sound, but this is not good. This is not something, this is not music to my ears. Being the worship angel that he was supposed to be. So the sound is getting stronger and stronger, and all of a sudden, there's a, there's a force field of love and light and, and power coming closer and closer and closer, and, and something is not lining up. This is not the way it should be. And what's happening is that sound that he's hearing is becoming louder and louder and louder. And it's now becoming so deafening that all the demons are coming to the devil saying, what is that sound? What, what is this we do? What can you? And, and Satan, he doesn't know what to do. He has no idea. Because that sound is what he heard about 4,000 years ago. And Genesis 4 tells us about it. Look what happens here. Genesis 4, 10 and 11. This is God speaking. God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. This is wonderful. This is, God is so amazing. And the devil hears this shrieking sound, this blood crying out and he remembers 4,000 years ago where one brother killed another and as soon as he did when his blood fell to the ground the earth opened and his blood was crying to God on behalf of his brother and now Satan remembers he goes a little bit back and he thinks oh my goodness just a couple of days back into the garden of Gethsemane and he sees the disciples with Peter and, and he's so happy that the disciples are tired because they're sleeping and Jesus is left alone. He's never going to make it. But when Jesus is alone, he presses in harder to the Father. Don't ever, when you are alone and there's nobody with you, give up. That's the time you press into the Father more than ever before. Don't look for people around you to hold your hand. The Holy Spirit is there and he's a big boy. He will walk through you with a fire, through the water. He will get you to the other side. Don't ever stop and say, this is not working. Where is he? I thought the word. You press in and you go. So Jesus by himself, nobody there to help him, starts praying and sweat like drops of blood. And when that first drop hit the ground, the ground opened and took in the precious blood of the Lamb and started speaking on your and my behalf. And the devil thinks, what have I done? And he carries on and he sees the people come, the soldiers come and they walk up to Jesus and they slap him through his face and another drop from his face falls to the ground. 
another drop, earth opens. Blood is falling. The cry is becoming louder and louder and louder. And he follows that whole path with Jesus where he walked. Takes him to where the soldiers ripped out his beard. More blood drips. Where they took the crown of thorns, stuck it on his face, pushed it into his skull. More drip, more blood dripping. And by now it's just a screeching sound of life and light and love and forgiveness and grace and honor and mercy and love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and meekness and self-control and temperance and all of those things which he hates. Every drop of blood falling for you and I. And that hasn't even started yet because then they start the whipping. And as terrible as that was, there was a lot of blood, a lot of drops of the pure Lamb of God fell into the earth there for you and I today. And that blood is still speaking on our behalf. Do we realize what Jesus went through to get this new covenant to us and what are we doing with it? And they put him on the cross and they stick those nails through his hands, through his feet, more blood. And after a while, he cries out, it is finished. But in his mind, it's a very different finish to the enemy's mind. In his mind, it's just starting. The old is finished because I make all things new. You in the new covenant will never ever be judged again on do good, get good, do bad, get bad. You'll be judged on what I have done for you and my mercy and grace will be with you all the days of your life. That's how you will be judged. So the enemy now realizes, but it's a little too late because Jesus has already gone to the cross. And that is what is happening. If we can go to Ephesians chapter 1, please. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Do you realize that when Jesus chose you and I, when we were in Christ and he made us, sin was not yet in the Garden of Eden. When he chose you, sin did not exist. So you were perfect when he chose you. He never changes his mind. He never makes a mistake. So when sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, he didn't now say, oh my goodness, my plan is gone. What do I do now? I've got to come up with something new. No, because before the foundation of the earth, he'd already paid for that. But the, the, the truth of this matter is when you were chosen in him, you were perfect because there was no sin. And that's how he still sees you in this covenant. Because before the foundation of the earth, the law and the prophets would speak and they would declare in one day, one day, one day. But we live in that one day. So when he looks at us, he doesn't look at us doing the stuff we do. He looks at us in the blood that he shed for us, which is crying out on our behalf. That's how powerful this new covenant is, this new testament. The devil tries to keep us in the old. He tries to hold us under the law. He tries to keep us under the law of sin and death. 
that's old. It's not for us. We are in Christ. The spirit of the law of the life of Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. That's how we are judged. It's just that good. It's just that true. But do we realize what had to take place for this to be our everyday walk? Every single day you open your eyes because he sustained you. It's another day to walk in his grace and manifest his glory. So when the enemy comes and he says, you're so bad, you're not going to do it. I'm not sin waiting to happen anymore. I'm a son waiting to manifest. I'm not sin waiting to happen, which I used to be before I was in Christ. Everywhere I went, I would mess up. Everything I did would not work. I'm not that anymore. I'm now a son waiting to manifest. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's the new covenant that we live in. So you were chosen before sin ever existed. And he doesn't change his mind about you. So when, if, not when, if you do fall short now, he doesn't go and say, well, look how you blew it. He still says, man, you were chosen in me when sin didn't exist. I chose you to be blameless, to be pure. And I will do that for you. Just agree with this new covenant. Just agree with the New Testament that you are in, and that is what you will walk out, because you are already that. Just walk it out in your daily life. This is what I say about you. Don't look at what you're doing wrong and what you're not doing right. Look at what I did for you and what I say you are, because what you keep your eyes on, you will become. Stop looking at the bad. Stop looking at I can't. Stop looking at look at them. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because he made us available for us. 1 Peter chapter 1, please. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, Every drop of his blood, it's still crying out for you and I today. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He did it for you, so that you and I can walk in this amazing covenant. I'm going to end with this for time's sake. If we go to Luke chapter 1, this is... Where God started waking me up, this is where he started with this. And it was great, but it just didn't make sense when I had to come and bring it before the people. But next week it will flow into this. This is where we will start. This is this new covenant. We've got to get this. This is where John is born and his father comes. And for nine months he can't speak, can't say a word. And then in John chapter 1, when he does speak, the Bible says that he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he starts prophesying. Imagine being not able to speak for nine months, and then when you speak, you speak under the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, you want to talk. You've got some stuff to say. So he goes and he says what John will be and who he is and why he's being brought forth. John, Jehovah has been gracious. Okay? And then the, verse 66, look at this. And all those who heard then kept them in their hearts saying, what kind of a child will this? This is John. This is not Jesus. This is John the Baptist. 
What kind of a child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. The hand of the Lord was with him. Now, flip over a couple of chapters. Flip over after the Holy Ghost has come and been made available to all men. This Pharisee riding on his animal, going to kill Christians, and he has an encounter with God. Gets off, falls off, I don't know what happened there. And he cries out and he says, who are you, Lord, who are you? And Jesus answers, he says, I'm Jesus. And Jesus' answer to him was, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute my people? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my people? Because in the Old Covenant, the hand of God was with man. And the hand of the Lord was with him. But New Covenant, you are the hand of the Lord. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? No, no, I'm not Jesus. You are Lord. I'm persecuting the people. I'm going against people that believe. No, 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 Saul, you don't understand. That's me. You touch one of them, you're touching me. Because new covenant, I'm the head, they are the body. Old covenant, John the greatest prophet, no one like him, blah, 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 blah. But the least of you and I in the kingdom are greater than him. Why? Because we are his body. That's the covenant that we are in today. Where you walk... Jesus literally, I've never heard somebody say, wow, I saw Pastor Doug and his head this morning in the Bible study. (laughs) Or I saw Pastor Doug and his body today in the Bible study. Why? Because they won. The head and the body, there's no difference. And if you are moving a head and a body, something is freaky about that. And in the spiritual realm, the angels and the demons can see. There's something freakish there because the head is over there and the body is there. They're not connected. Let's go for the body. But when the body can realize where the head tells me to go, I'm never without the head because I only go where he tells me to go. I am one with him. He is one with me. Now the spiritual realm sees, oh my goodness, there's the body of Christ. Not there's the head and there's the body. Let's get them. This is our covenant. Do we know what Jesus went through for us to walk in this every single day? So that when I do pray for someone, not that I ever prayed in the name of rifle, but I used to pray as rifle in the name of Jesus. I now don't do that anymore. And this is not blasphemy. Jesus, God, I'll show you next. I'll prove this to you from the word next week. This is 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. He's showing me. Because I'm saying to him, show this to me from the word. I can't go and preach and tell you this stuff if you're saying this to me, but there's no evidence in your word. I have to back it up. Okay, go here, go here. That's enough. I've got it. I've got it. Please let me go to sleep. No, go here, go here, go here. I'll show it to you next week. But now because you and I, the family of God in heaven and on earth has been given a new name. Whose name? His name. I don't pray as rifle anymore. Because I always used to think he uses me. I'm a tool in his hand. I am his hand. 
I am his hand. I'm not a tool anymore. I'm not used by him. I am him, if you understand what I'm saying. Don't write me ugly letters and blast me. You get what I'm saying in my heart here. If he is the head and we are the body, there is no separation between the two of us. And I have first-hand experience about when your brain and your body does not work together is a disease called multiple sclerosis, which God has healed me from, where your brain says, do this, and your body doesn't realize, your body doesn't, your central nervous system, there's a break in between the brain and the body. So the brain says, go here, and your body says, I can't. I can't. That's disease. That's from the pit of hell. So when the head of the church says to the body, go and pray, go and speak, go and love, we just go as one because 1 Corinthians 6.17 says those who are joined unto the Lord are one spirit with him. There's no separation. That's the covenant. And when we wake up to this, we will see more healings. We will see more people come to life in Christ Jesus. We will see more people being set free from condemnation and guilt. If I had to ask here today, here, don't, do not do it, but if you had to raise your hand, if you still have condemnation and guilt in your life, there would be many people raising their hand because we do not understand the covenant that we are in. And it's not do good, get good, do bad, get bad. We now, gotta get, we, we reap what he sowed for us. Because if it was the attitude of Jesus to say, Get your act right. You made your bed. You lie in it. He would never have come. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died and came and showed his love for us. So there is nothing that can hold us back. Nothing. This is our covenant. A covenant of grace and righteousness, not by works, but a free gift. It's Christmas time. There's a present out there that cannot be wrapped. It was wrapped in the flesh of Jesus. But he came and he's under everyone's tree every single day when we wake up to say, open me up, let's go. Open me up, let's go. Take me, let's go. We are one. Take me to the world. Who do men say that I am? He's the one who ushered in the new covenant, a covenant of grace, not of works so that we can do the works that he did and greater. So that our light would so shine that men would see our good works and glorify the Father. At the end of the day, it's still all about him. But we are his body. He works in and through and amongst us to receive the glory. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful.